The following episode of the 9pm edict contains politics, strong language, and adult themes. Sunday the 27th of March 2022. Have you ever noticed how Josh Frydenberg's head and Peter Dutton's head are like the same shape? Whatever. Uh, This is the 9pm pre-election, flood-affected pre-election board drama or something. What the fuck? Today, dear listener, is um, International Whiskey Day. And uh, to celebrate, I bought I really spoiled myself. I got a bottle of Talisker, uh, a 10-year-old, uh, one of my favourite single malt whiskies from the Isle of Skye. Um, it, it sometimes says, look, it's from the sea, and it, it describes itself on the label <laughs> as ruggedly maritime. Um very salty, particularly if you get the Talisker Storm, um, which is not aged, but that that is yeah, incredibly salty and peaty and wonderful, and I love it. Uh, but I completely understand why uh, some people might find it absolutely atrocious. Anyway, thank you. Yes, that is my whiskey for today. Today is International Whiskey Day, uh, although it'll probably be over. Uh, by the time you listen to this, have a whiskey anyway. As you get older, whiskey becomes more and more attractive, doesn't it? Well, dear listener, it is just two sleeps until budget night. Tuesday, yes, is budget night in Canberra. That's the 29th of March for those of you listening to this sometime in the future. Budget night is, of course, uh, the night when Australia's treasurer gets up on their hind feet to tell lies about the economy. And this year, once again, it's Josh Frydenberg, one of the dullest speakers in Parliament. God, it just drones on. And, And it's an election Yeah, it's an election budget, so it will have uh, even more lies than usual. Um, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing on budget night yet. I I will, at the very least, be on the Twitters um, shitposting. I mean, very rare for me to do that, obviously. But I might do something a little more structured. Uh, You'll have to see what I say on Twitter um, to, um, uh, to, well, to find out on the night, really. I might do something... Uh, a little sensible. Anyway, as I say, it is a an election year, so there'll be all sorts of bullshit in the budget that, I mean, is is just not well thought thought through. Uh, and let's look at Perth now this week. Uh, I mean, this story would have run pretty much everywhere, but I saw it in Perth now. Federal budget, colon, said the headline, Australian pensioners on social welfare payments to receive one-off $250 cash top-up. Wow. Anyone? Well, on social welfare payments, but then it said pensioners, uh, and they get $250 cash to cope with cost of living pressures. Wow, that's five bucks a week over the first year and then not repeated. What, half an avocado or some bullshit. Uh, but uh, the story went on to say, yes, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg will announce this in the budget with age pensioners and low-income families that receive financial support eligible for the bonus. So does low-income families include unemployed families, because that's incredibly low income, um, as the story then notes. We don't know. It says, quote, parents on family payments will not be able to apply for the payment. But I think family payments are the middle class ones, aren't they, where you just get a bonus for having a child. I mean, having kids, obviously, is an expensive thing. But, you know, I, I don't know. Um, the economy is obviously going to be quite a thing. 
in the bud in the budget, of course, the economy is going to figure in the budget. That's kind of what it's for. Uh, but certainly, in the lead up to the election, I think money will be a thing. And health, uh, the government won't want us to think about health. Obviously, they'll just want to think about the economy. Uh, Luke Henriquez Gomez, who writes for the Grawn about uh, inequality issues and such things, he noted some comments uh, from the Victorian Parliament. Uh, the other day from Liberal uh, MP, well, Upper House MP, they call it. It's a bit weird how they call it in Victoria. Anyway, her name is Wendy Lovell. She, there was a debate on homelessness um, and she did make a very solid point that you can't make public housing just look cheap and different from other housing because there is a, uh, you know, a uh, not taboo, what's the word, stigma attached to living in public housing and and certainly uh, given that property has in Australia become such an enormous you know, thing, a measure of status, you're a homeowner, you're a property investor or you're basically filthy fucking scum. And Wendy Lovell did make, as I say, the quite valid point that you shouldn't be able to just look at a place and know whether that's public housing or private housing because of the stigma. But that's, that's fair enough. But then she went on to say this. We also need to make sure that we put those properties in areas where families are accepted and where families can flourish. It's no point putting a very um, low income, probably welfare dependent uh, family in the best street in Brighton where the children cannot mix with the other, or they cannot go to the school with the other children. They don't have the same, um, the same uh, ability to um, to have the latest in sneakers and and iPhones, etc. We've got to make sure that people can um, actually um, fit into a neighbourhood and that they have a good life, and that people are not um, not stigmatising them because of what they. Of their because of their circumstances, uh, their circumstances plural that should be obviously. I was a little, a little lazy there because I just grabbed the grab that they put on Twitter rather than going to the Victorian Parliament website and downloading audio and and doing all that just to clean up that single syllable at the end. Of the grab. That's why audio production can take a lot of time if you do it seriously, uh, as, a, as opposed to me uh, being basically lazy. Now, that, as I say, is Wendy Lovell. She's kind of got a point, I think, that the social stigma attached to public housing, uh, the grief you get if you are povo and in a wealthy suburb, you get that. I got that at school. I, uh, as you may know, went to. Uh, really quite a top-shelf private school, an expensive top-shelf private school, on a scholarship. And I got grief for that, not not specifically because I was on a scholarship, that was fine, you're doing well in class, but because, there, you know, there were indicators that I didn't quite fit in. Um, I couldn't go to many of the after-school kind of activities that other kids did because I didn't have the money to spend. I couldn't, you know, go to the movies or whatever it is. And a particular one, I only remembered this the other day, of course, that private schools have a specific private school uniform and you're meant to go to a specific department store to to buy the exact thing. Now, my mother was a, an avid knitter, as were so many women of her generation. And she went, oh, yeah, it's, it's a grey woolen, woolen jumper with this colour braiding. So she knitted one herself. And now, of course, her hand-knitted one, being a perfectly wonderful uh, grey woolen jumper, didn't exactly match the expensive machine-produced one. Ah, uh, oh, I got so much grief for that. I can't remember how how long I wore it for. I don't think it was very long. I remember being really... I mean, I don't want to say I was in tears because of it, but I suspect I was. I mean, this was what age are you when you start secondary school, whatever that is. Um, it's uh, seven, then five years in South Australia, so, uh, so seven, then five is tw 12 years old, I suppose, although I started 
um, I, I skipped a year in primary school, so I might have only been 11 years old. And, of course, that was then the whole bullying thing because I was just a kid and I grew up in the country and I wasn't socialised like the city boys. And, oh, God, God children are cunts. Anyway, um, yeah, look, I, I think Wendy Lovell sort of, I, I think she thought she had a point. There is a point in part of that. Um, and I saw someone defending it on Twitter saying, yeah, but she hadn't thought through what she was going to say. And I said, yeah, but that's your fucking job in Parliament is to think through what you're saying. Um, anyway, we know how to fix, fix homelessness, Wendy. Give people homes. As many of you uh, will know, I think as I think we all know, uh, there's been floods in eastern Australia and uh, southeast Queensland and the north of New South Wales have been um, very heavily affected. Uh, and and so, if you have been affected by the floods, here is a message for you from Serena Russo, the founder of the Serena Russo Group. So here we are um, in Brisbane. Howard Walls overlooking the most beautiful city um, called Brisbane and sadly last week we had massive floods once in a hundred year flooding and it caused massive devastation but you know when things are going wrong and the endorphins are low this is the time you have to exercise in fact I really believe that fitness is everything you know you can say you're successful but you're if you're not fit you're overeating you're you know addictive to food alcohol drugs, smoke, cigarettes, that's not success. Success is really where you firstly get fit. You know, one of the greatest things in my life and my personal goal and my vision is to stay fit. Now, if you look at me today, I live in leggings and flat shoes because I really want to be able to walk everywhere then catch a Uber or a taxi or a, a bus or a flight or a, a train or a car. I think walking is an incredible way to build your endorphins. And one more tip, you can't buy these endorphins, these natural endorphins in a pharmacy, no matter how much money you have. Endorphins are natural and they come within. The desire to get fit every morning, regardless, whether it's raining, whether it's sunny, whether it's too hot, too cold, icy, snowy, whatever the weather is, if it is to be, it is up to me. Your attitude determines your altitude. See you at the top. Ciao for now. I'm off for my run now. Bye. Bye, Serena, you cunt. Listen to that privileged asshole. Now, Serena Russo, in, in case you're not across th this wonderful woman, uh, she's from Queensland, obviously, um, the Serena Russo Group is one of the largest uh, employment services group in Australia, uh, groups in Australia. So you know how, you know, the government shut down all of the government-owned, oh, and this is both sides of politics. Over the years, they got rid of what was once called the Commonwealth Employment Service. Uh, they then contracted all, uh, contracted out all of the handling of stuff for people who are unemployed. Everything from uh, their mutual obligation, i.e., have you turned up, uh, you don't turn up to a government office, you turn up to a privately owned one and the Serena Russo Group is one of the largest of those. If they decide you need either psychological help, uh, you you are shunted off uh, to quite often a psychological group owned by Serena Russo, etc, uh, etc. Et um, so here she is, she's made a squillion out of, well, she was doing quite well out of employment services before that. She began as um, a, a typist back in the days when typists were a thing and set up a typing school, uh, which is a great thing to teach young women um, office skills and whatever. So, I mean, at that level, good on her because she created a successful um, uh, work-related employment service, but then it grew into this... Uh, this major segment of the evil empire of of commercialising the plight of people in Australia who haven't got a job and in many cases will never have a job because they're unemployable uh, because, you know, quite frankly, they need psychiatric help or they need training or they need whatever it is or they're just ugly and people won't employ them. And don't tell me that's not a thing. Or well, they're ethnic. 
And don't tell me that's not a thing either. So, so Serena's message to you is put your leggings on and go for a run. And that's it, because endorphins. Quiet message for you, Serena. You're right, you can't buy endorphins, but if you've got money, let me tell you, you can buy things that generate endorphins and dopamine. I mean, not very much of it's legal, obviously, but, you know. What a cunt. What a cunt. I mean, the, the floods really have affected people in Australia, haven't I? Uh, haven't they? Haven't I? You, you bet you are. You bet I am. How does it go? You like that. I have uh, been very lucky up in the Blue Mountains here. Uh, we're, uh, I mean, we're on the top of a hill. It doesn't flood a lot on top of a hill. Uh, but it has been raining thanks to La Nina and her reign of terror. Ha, ha, ha. See what I did there. For, I mean, decades now, hasn't it? It feels like that. And everything is mouldy. But, uh, of course, the great thing about cleaning up all the mould... Uh, is that it, got, it does give you a plausible deniability for huffing bleach. I don't know what Serena Russo's excuse is. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. Welcome to The Edict. Uh, look, before you, before you complain, uh, yes, listening before, you may have heard that there is an ice cube in my whiskey today and and I know that with a 10-year-old single mould I probably shouldn't have an ice cube in it but I'm feeling a little bit poorly and 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 my arrangement with one of the people from Janison's which is of course Irish whiskey not Scotch whiskey uh, but I did I did make an agreement that I would not uh, pollute whiskey with anything uh, unless it was if I'm feeling a little poorly um, a little bit of a little bit of spring water. Well, it's not spring water; it's rainwater in an ice cube. And uh, don't worry, I'll be having that whiskey straight a little later. Once I've finished recording, I just wanted to slow things down a bit. And yes, I am feeling a little poorly. Although it's uh, Sunday, um, on Friday night I did have a very late journey back from the city. I I had uh, lunch with a friend. Uh, we caught up for lunch. And that turned into dinner, which ended at about ten pm. So that was an that was an excellent day out. Uh, but uh, speaking of the floods, the Blue Mountains railway line has uh, not really been operating for the last uh, what's it about oh, good couple of weeks now, three weeks or something, because the the the, the heavy rains in and around Sydney caused landslips. Uh, the Blue Mountains line was cut in three places at Penrith, near Katoomba and near Zigzag, and there's a whole history thing to look it up. Uh, the uh, the Emu Plains one was fixed the other day, but it still meant that getting back uh, from uh, the city involved a, a late Friday evening train to Penrith and then leaving Penrith well after midnight, a bus up through the mountains, and it was full of... Uh, well, young people from the mountains who'd been down in Penrith, um, uh, well, perhaps to go to the pub, but, but many of these seemed to be, quite frankly, a little young to go to the pub. They'd probably gone to the movies and uh, or some such thing afterwards. Uh, I just saw on Twitter, as I'm recording this, uh, that uh, Trainlink West saying that starting Monday, uh, trains will come down at least from this bit of the mountains to the city, so they fixed the landslip near Katoomba. Fantastic work, given all the flooding around New South Wales. So that's good. So no more post-midnight buses from Penrith back to the city. But that does mean no more trash teens offering me, quote, a quick chuff in the back of the bus. Isn't that polite? Complete stranger... Old person sitting, well, you know, oldish, you know, I, let's not argue about how old I am. Uh, certainly from the point of view of a teen person, I am very old. Uh, look, offering a complete stranger some illegal drugs in the back of a late night bus. That's manners. That's polite. That's good. I'm going to miss that. And, and for the record, I did decline their offer. Um, fuck's sake, I'd had enough to drink during the light. The last thing I needed was... 
Um, they were, uh, from the smell of it, though, they were they, they were actually consuming uh, their cannabis in a vape with also some other things to disguise uh, the really obvious odour of the cannabis. It smelled quite nice, actually. I, I should have asked them what um, what the other oils were they were using in their vapes. Uh, and, of course, with the electric vape, you don't have that obvious sign of a, of matches or a cigarette lighter lighting something up in the back of a bus at night. It's actually very clever. Young people are very, very clever indeed. I've been looking at some tweets about I, – I mean, if you follow my work, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of the, the blind-eyed optimism of all technology. And artificial intelligence came to a thing. Uh, came to my mind today. Lucy H uh, on the Twitters, uh, whose Twitter handle is Hoalisu. Look, I've linked to it anyway. Uh, she says, uh, or she noted in an article which she didn't link to, but I'll, whatever, I'll read this. You can search it for yourself. She noticed that artificial intelligence, which consists solely of, you know, running training data sets, uh, into the machine uh, causes unexpected results if you haven't really thought through what your training data sets are. And and one of my favourites in this regard, and this is a this is a real thing. The US Army did some of this many many I mean decades ago, and they were trying to uh, speed up the process of interpreting aerial reconnaissance photographs and saying, look, in this photograph, are there enemy tanks in this photograph and they fed a lot of uh, photos into the the algorithm what they didn't realize was that all of the landscapes or many of the landscapes that had tanks in them uh, were on cloudy days and many of those that didn't have tanks in them were on on sunny days or vice versa doesn't matter so they in fact trained the ai to tell the difference between sunny and cloudy weather very good Lucy H notes that in medical data, uh, and I quote from whatever she's quoting, uh, many unwittingly used a data set that contained chest scans of children who did not have COVID, as their examples, of what non-COVID cases looked like, uh, but as a result, the AI just learned to identify kids as opposed to adults. Another one, um, because... Patients who were scanned while lying down were more likely to be serious, Ill, seriously ill. The AI learned wrongly to predict not serious COVID risk, but whether someone was lying down or not. And say, so, oh, well, if you're lying down, you must have COVID. So, no, you, you were just lying down. And in another case, uh, some AIs were found to be picking up the text font that certain hospitals used to label the scans. As a result, fonts from hospitals with more serious caseloads became a predictor of COVID risk. Oh my God, Comic Sans, they're going to die. Artificial intelligence is bullshit and it is... I mean, it's sort of like mechanical brain worms. I might start calling it mechanical brain worms. And, and on um, the brain worm thing, uh, there was uh, a headline uh, in the – well, not the headline, the head, what's called the deck, the bit after the headline. Um, Draft agreement circulating on social media suggests China could establish a military base less than 2,000 kilometres from Australia. Oh, my God. This is in the Solomon Islands, if you haven't seen the story. 2,000 kilometres is twice the distance from London to Berlin. But Australian politicians, some of them anyway, are going, oh, my God, there might be a military base that close to Australia. Jesus Christ. Um, uh, the most brain-infected uh, politician... Well, I was about to say the most brain-infected, brainworm-infected politician in this regard. Uh, but in fact, no, there are, are, are others, as you know, who are far more brainworm-infected. But Karen Andrews, the Minister for Home Affairs, she told reporters that the Pacific was Australia's backyard uh, when when she was asked about the possibility of the Chinese military operating in the Solomon Islands, operating in the Solomon Islands, she said, quote, in relation to China, in relation to the Pacific region, that is our backyard. It is our neighbourhood and we are very concerned at any activity that is taking place in the Pacific Islands, she said. Our backyard. 
fuck's sake. Like Hawaii is our backyard. The Pacific is our backyard. The Aleutian Islands are our backyard. Easter Island is our backyard. Although that said, Melbourne is closer to the Antarctic than it is to Darwin, but that's not the point I want to make. The point I want to make is someone needs to tell Karen Andrews MP that Pacific nations aren't Australia's backyard. They're sovereign nations. It's their backyards. The Pacific Ocean is literally their, well, not their backyards. Like the backyard is the bit you own, right? It's between your house and the back fence, but that is still your backyard. We don't own the Pacific Islands. Dipshit. Uh, hours later, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade issued a statement about this, which was, shall we say, a little more measured, which uh, emphasised the individual sovereignty of the Pacific nations, uh, but suggested that as a regional uh, issue, we ought to you know, just be aware of what we're doing with China. See, they I mean, Minister of Home Affairs, what the fuck is she doing even talking about international affairs? Something else for Maurice Payne to sort out. She's the actual foreign minister. She's one of the few people with a brain in the front bench of the, the Liberal Party, quite frankly. I wish her well. I hope she survives the election and does good work for her party. I disagree with her party on many, many issues, but she at least is one of the people with an actual working brain that is not full of worms. And speaking of worms, I found... Again, by accident, on Friday, when I was at one of the places that, uh, that I'd been drinking, um, I heard one of the bar staff mention a thing called um, brain hemorrhage shots. And I went, what? And this is, this is a cocktail. Brain hemorrhage shots. Uh, although I'm going to tell you one about more, I'm going to tell you one based uh, based on a recipe called zombie brain shots. But if you actually look it up, there's a, there's a whole range of these. And here's how you do it: the idea is it's it's designed to be a Halloween cocktail, and I use cocktail in the in the loosest possible sense of the word. The idea is you're trying to create something that looks like a zombie brain or a zombie has infected your brain. So basically what you do is they said you, uh, you, you get a, a shot glass or a low ball, and the idea is you, you, you first layer is a white spirit. So the zombie brain shots recipe I'm linking to says an ounce of peach schnapps. Uh, other recipes say you could use Zambuca. I imagine you could use Ouzo. You could use vodka. Uh, use something. Something that's lighter in density but clear. Okay, so you pour a shot of that in the glass if it's a shot glass, but then it's full, so it's got to be three-quarters of a shot. Anyway, you, white spirit first, something nice and clear. Then you float a bit of Baileys on top to give you that creaminess, that grey cream, right? So maybe a quarter shot. This recipe says a teaspoon or whatever. So you float that across your white spirit. And then you want to create this effect that the brain has had hemorrhage. So what you do is you get a brightly coloured spirit or liqueur, make sure it's chilled so it's dense. So when you drop some droplets into this, it punches through the grey of the Baileys and creates a downward kind of stream of bright colours. Now, if you want a blood effect, use grenadine because that's red, right? So drop some chilled grenadine through it and it creates this streak of red down from the grey, smearing the grey and blood and whatever down in the thing. If you want something a little more zombie-ish, you'd use Midori to get the green. Or if you want blue for some reason, you could use blue curacao or whatever. So you get the idea. The idea is clear spirit, layer of grey creamy stuff on the top, and then you drop brightly coloured stuff through it so it creates these streaks. Links on the website. I'll even put a photo on the website. Um, It's kind of served as, well, in this sense, as shots for Halloween, but that means if you want it to fit in a shot glass, you've got to use three quarters of an ounce of, of, of your white spirit and a quarter ounce of Bailey's. Like what even what even is a three quarters of an ounce? So my recommendation is you use a low ball glass, so you can well, or there's there's one just down from that, isn't there? But uh, so you can properly use you know two ounces of your white spirit, half an ounce of Bailey's, and then just drop shit in. Maybe have 
No, you can't have ice because that'll ruin the whole effect. Anyway, that's it. That's zombie brain shots. And speaking of zombie brain shots, Rishi Sunak, Chancellor of the Exchequer of the United Kingdom of uh, Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Um, have a listen to this. Now, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, the Treasurer of the of Great Britain, um, is, is a wealthy man, but he is married uh, to a woman who is, in fact, an actual billionaire. Uh, so here is um, Jane Secker on Sky News in the UK interviewing him the other day. Now, remember, Sky News in the UK is actually, like, quite a proper TV news channel, not like Sky News Australia. Here is that interview. It's been reported uh, that, that you've got family links to, to Russia, that your wife apparently has a stake in the Indian IT consultancy firm Infosys. Um, they operate in Moscow. They have an office there. They have a delivery office there. They've got a connection to the Alpha Bank in Moscow. Are, are you giving advice to others that you're, you're not following in your own home? That's not, as a, I, I'm an elected politician and I'm here to talk to you about what I'm responsible for. Uh, my wife is not. She is not, but but equally, if you, if you, you know, as, as a country, we are asking taxpayers to fund the UK's support for Ukraine. We're asking people in the UK to give their homes up to Ukrainian refugees, where it, whereas it appears your family potentially could be benefiting from Putin's regime. No, I, I really I don't think that's the case. And as I said, uh, the, the operations of all companies are up to them. Uh, we've, we've put in place significant sanctions and all the companies that we are responsible for are following those, as they rightly should, sending a very strong message uh, to Putin's aggression. Do you know if Infosys is? I, I, have, I have absolutely no idea because I have nothing to do with that company. Okay. 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 Beautiful work. Beautiful interviewing. Just... Let it happen. I mean, at one level, you know, married people don't become one person. Um, they are still independent people, but for fuck's sake. Now, dear listener, uh, I am tagging this uh, episode part of the Autumn series, but the main part of the 9pm Autumn series 2022 begins this coming Friday, the 1st of April, uh, with the first special guest episode of the series. And my guest will be Evelyn Duick. Uh, now, she blogs regularly at Lawfare, uh, and as the website explain, uh, explains, uh, her website, quote, being human, she naturally has a couple of podcasts, most recently as co-host of Lawfare's Arbiters of Truth series on the online information ecosystem. And yes, that's a fantastic series. Look it up, The Arbiters of Truth. Anyway, uh, Evelyn Duick, look her up. Links on the thing, obviously. Um, but if you are a supporter with trigger words or a conversation topic to spend on that episode, I will need them by 8 p.m. AEDT this Thursday, the 31st of March. So this Thursday, 31st, 8 p.m. Um, if you want specific trigger words or a conversation topic with Evelyn Duick about arbiters of truth, about information online about uh, content moderation about disinformation about censorship she is really fantastic on this we're both looking forward to it because of course right now i mean what is there we could talk about is there anything we could talk about at the moment i don't know so that's the first one uh, and coming up, uh, John Birmingham will be in the series. Um, he's a bit crook at the moment, so we'll push that back a couple of weeks. Uh, Greg Muller, who is uh, uh, the researcher and um, presenter of the series, uh, the podcast series Motherload, about the early hacking scene that came out of Melbourne and affected the world. Dr. Space Junk will be on at some point when she's not too busy doing her actual job. I mean, let's not hassle her. She's doing a fantastic project at the moment with the International Space Station. Archaeology on the International Space Station. That's a thing. Archaeology is not about old things. History is not about old things. Or You know, history... History is everything up until 
when I started this sentence. Think about that. And submarines. I have been talking about doing an episode about submarines for so long. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Anyway, that's the thing. That's coming up. And so I should say thank you to everyone who contributed to the 9pm Autumn Series 2022 possible campaign. I will start listing you from the next episode. Thank you so much. I mean, yes, the podcasts happen. More importantly, I get to eat during April and May, partially. And for this episode, I must say uh, thank you uh, to Errol Cavett, whose uh, annual um, Edict uh, 02 schooner annual subscription renewed. Those subscriptions are great. You don't have to contribute to the possible campaigns to get Trigger words and conversation topics, you can just subscribe. Uh, also, thank you to Carl Oscar, uh, one of our regular supporters. Thanks, mate. And uh, one more person who chooses to remain anonymous. That is fabulous. If you would like to join those people, and I strongly encourage you to do so, please go to the 9pmedict.com slash tip. That is the 9pmedict.com slash tip. Uh, and please do the needful. Okay, this is a solo episode of the Edict, but I will I will do a trigger word. This is the glass jar of transparency. Oh shit. Um pulling one out. I have From Sheepy, thanks Sheepy. Sheepy's a great supporter and he always remembers to send in his trigger words. If you are a supporter and have trigger words, remember to send them to me. Oh dear. Oh dear, Sheepy's trigger word is hashtag Q&A. God damn it. Okay, let me um, let me pour another whiskey for this. Q&A is, of course, um, the uh, ABC television program that's based on the BBC program Question Time, but of course Question Time has another meaning in Australia, being the parliamentary thing. Uh, in the UK, they call that PM's Questions, and it's only once a week. Whereas in Australia, Question Time is every fucking day that Parliament sits. It's such bullshit. Anyway. Dallas Catan. If you'd like to send me a Talisker 10, just message me. I'll send you my address, send me another bottle. For those of you who aren't aware, Q&A is the program. When, I, when every Thursday night I tweet, reminder, do not watch the bad program. That's Q&A. And the reason is, I think it's a really bad format. They subtitle it, um, I don't know whether they still do, but they used to subtitle it Adventures in Democracy. But the problem is it's it's live and I am all in favour of live programmes. Fuck, when I was at uh, ABC Radio, I loved producing live programmes. That was my specialty. Um, that's where the energy is. But the problem with Q&A is that they have reduced the concept of a live program to kind of something rather bland. Um, like all the questions are vetted. Everyone in the audience, they try to balance it because they get everyone to say, are you a Labor voter or a Liberal voter or whatever? And they try to balance the audience. But then when it comes to the people's questions, um, that um, the people's questions have to be sent in first and they're invited to then come in and read their question. And so, of course, they're reading the questions off a piece of paper. My question is, I I would like to know... Like, okay, I don't want to mock people who are not professional broadcasters, but if you ask most people to read from a piece of paper, it will sound terrible and, of course, the questions are vetted and then if anyone decides to go off script, it's, oh, my fucking God, I'll, 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 t- I'll take that as a, a comment or they're shut down. 
And the entire program reduces complex issues to a question from the audience and then which person on the panel um, can can do the best soundbite to get the applause. Oh, yeah, yeah, we should... We should slaughter unemployed people and use their blood as lubricant for our sex videos or something. Fuck, where did that come from? Anyway, um, I don't think it's a good format. I, I, I get where the whole format came from. It's we will have a relatively unstructured debate with the panel or you know, questions from the audience. But the thing is, it's not relatively unstructured. It's structured so much you could put scaffolding up your urethra and still not have any flexibility. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm sorry. Occasionally they do episodes where they go away from politics, where politics is not defined as the two sides of the two-party parliamentary system and that is balance and get an ethnic woman on and a comedian and there's your panel. Um, that is not how society is structured. That is that is succumbing to this incredibly narrow view of what society and politics is about. I hate the fucking program and... Although it's not a thing, and I haven't watched it for a while, to be fair, but when Tony What's-His-Fuck was, was hosting it and then anything that becomes a, a vaguely interesting question was dismissed as, oh, well, I'll take that as a comment. I said, no, fucking take that on board. There is literally no reason to sit sitting politicians on a panel just to have them re-bleat their bloody talking points and pretend that it's an adventure in democracy where nothing um, nothing moves more than, you know, a half a percentage point from that little needle of already agreed topics for discussion. It's a waste of space. So don't watch the bad program. And thank you. Who was it? Couple papal. Sheepy. <laughs> of course it was Sheepy. Thank you, Sheepy. Uh, for that trigger word. And now, some news from the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. On the New York Stock Exchange, shares in employment-oriented online service LinkedIn boomed this morning after the website announced it will be creating its own version of the metaverse. LinkedIn CEO Ryan Roslansky said that the VR experience would be a vortex of despair beyond the limits of the human imagination, as well as the world's number one hub for professional networking. And breaking news, the scientists responsible for breeding a new race of sexy pandas in China have been sacked due to concerns that the new pandas are simply too sexy and will lead to unsustainable levels of mating. The current batch of sexy pandas, with their lustrous eyelashes and come-hither eyes, have been culled, outraging activists who claim the bears were too sexy to die. Okay, so that was a blatant rip-off of material from uh, the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, which is a wonderful creation uh, from Ben Partridge in the UK. It is an award-winning podcast. If you want to listen to it, like they start at the beginning, the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, um, the uh, um, shtick, the uh, – I can't remember the word I'm looking for – uh, but the, the premise of the podcast is that this is indeed a podcast for people who are interested in uh, 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 growing beef cattle or dairy production and those things. Uh, it is, of course, I want to say satire because they satirise things along the way, such as LinkedIn, as you just heard then, but it's very, very surreal. You can... You can just start now, but I, I do recommend you go back to the very beginning, which is like 80 episodes ago or something like that, the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. But I did play that because I just wanted to say very briefly, the metaverse. So many companies at the moment are saying, we are investing in the metaverse. 
to be very, very clear, it's not an actual thing. This is just something that Mark Zuckerberg has said to distract us all from the fact that Facebook, brackets, now meta in brackets, is evil. Oh, we're going to create the metaverse and you'll be like, fuck it, we had Second Life way back. We had all these things. Just bear in mind that whenever you see any organisation issuing a press release or making a statement about how they are in the metaverse, it's a lie. It is totally and utterly a lie. The word I was struggling for there is conceit, which in one of its meaning, a conceit is an artistic effect or device. And the example given at dictionary.com or some other really reliable source is the director's brilliant conceit was to film this tale in black and white or whatever. But in this case, a conceit might be a premise or the conceit is that aliens are all Germans or some such thing. Uh, that was according to Wiki Dictionary or Wikipedia. But according to Wikipedia, the phrase social commentary is, and, and let me quote them, the act of using rhetorical means to provide commentary on issues in a society. This is often done with the idea of implementing or promoting change by informing the general populace about a given problem and appealing to people's sense of justice. Social commentary can be practised through all forms of communication, from printed form to conversations to computerised communication uh, and two examples of strong and bitter social commentary are the writings of Jonathan Swift and Martin Luther. Also, according to Wikipedia, Prue McSween is an Australian television and radio personality, journalist and social commentator and public relations director. She's the public relations director of Verve Communications and as a media commentator, McSween has made a number of controversial comments, which I will uh, come back to. Yes, I have pasted them into my script. So the reason I mention the magnificent Prue McSween is that back in 2018, like, Four years ago, what is, even was that? But before the last federal election, she said, and I quote, this is her tweet, if Scott Morrison is voted in, that will be the end of the Liberal Party. Or she said, at Liberal, but yeah, let's, I'll start that again, translating into proper English as opposed to Twitter speak. If Scott Morrison is voted in, that will be the end of the Liberal Party. If you thought Malcolm Turnbull was bad, wait till you see this narcissist in action. And, of course, you know, it, in, in case you can't connect the dots, the narcissist she's referring to is Scott Morrison. That's in 2018. So just uh, like a week ago, she said, this is bogus to that tweet. So the wonderfully intelligent Prubix Wayne retweeted one of her own tweets saying it was bogus. Like she's so out of touch with the zeitgeist. Oh, don't you love it when I speak German to you? She didn't even complain. Like she didn't even say she'd been hacked. Like that's what you do. You go, oh, that old tweet, I was hacked. No, 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 no. She retweeted her own tweet calling Scott Morrison a narcissist and said, oh, oh, no, that's bogus. No, no proof. No proof. Like, I, I really don't understand why Prubix Wien is, is still in the media. Um, if I can be appallingly misogynistic for a moment, <laughs> I, I mean, which I can be because I'm... Not only a male, I'm a gay male, and they're some of the most misogynist people on the planet. Um, 
Prue McSqueen is one of the people, as I said, she worked in PR. She is one of the PR people who many years ago, even women in PR called, yeah, she's all tits and teeth. That was that was a whole genre in in PR when I was growing up. There would be a woman in charge and the woman who went out to talk to the men who ran the companies would be all about big bouffant blonde hair and, as I say, the phrase goes, tits and teeth. That's Prue McSween. If you look her up on Wikipedia, and, and admittedly her Wikipedia article is, is tagged with that, like, this looks like a CV, what even is this? But she says she known, she's known for the TV series Beauty and the Beast – there's a joke there which I will not make because that really would be misogynistic. But notable work, news reporter, maybe, and hostess, oh, that phrase at TQN7, like Channel 7 Sydney, Nine Network Sydney and Perth. She was an editor of TV Week magazine, which I did not know, and I'll actually credit her with that, although, quite frankly, it's a a bi-formula gig, and uh, she's a broadcaster on 2UE in Sydney radio station, which is uh, which is very much her thing. Now, to speak more about um, Prue McSween, and I'm to be honest, I'm not entirely sure why I'm while why I'm not entirely sure why I'm spending this much time talking about her. But a Wikipedia page has a section titled "Controversies." That's always a good sign, isn't it? She caused offence on Channel 7's Weekend Sunrise in 2010, 12 years ago, uh, for using the word retard. Relatively mild, dare I say. Then on Sunrise in 2013, she described Australian Prime Minister then Kevin Rudd as a psychopath, prompting complaints from viewers. I would argue that Kevin Rudd is a psychopath, but uh, that's just my – I mean, I'm not a medical doctor. That's just my personal opinion. But he, I, I think it is uh, Australia's, Australia's defamation laws. How can I say this? My observations of Mr Kevin Rudd as Prime Minister uh, lead me to believe, at least, as a non-expert, that he shows certain signs – which, if you look it up, could be related to psychopathy. Sue me, you cunt. Uh, then in 2017, uh, TGB actually had a program called Deplorables. Oh, God, they just they just resorbed the, the Donald Trump stuff. Here's the thing, though. McSween said of uh, television presenter uh, Yasmin Abdel-Magid that she would be tempted to run over her. Yeah, there was a statement apologising from the radio station and uh, McSween herself said, she said, it was tragic that many Australians had lost their sense of humour and lamented about no longer being able to take the mickey out of people by saying I'd like to run over them in a car. Now, now I will say that the kind of hyperbolic statements about – here's the thing. Like if I said I would very much appreciate if Scott Morrison was destroyed by an asteroid impacting the Earth, I that's obviously hyperbole. That's obviously – like I, I don't believe that. And it's not going to happen. But that's that's where we are now. And I don't want to get into a thing about cancel culture. But I will say that when Alan Jones talked about then Prime Minister Julia Gillard being taken out in a hessian sack and dumped in the ocean, the Australian Communications and Media Authority decided like no, that's that's hyperbole. That is not inducement to kill people and all sorts of things, which is which is right. I mean, the man's a dickhead. Yes, it promotes violence against women or at least normalises it, and it's not a thing he should be saying. Uh, but no, it's not 
it's not illegal under the code of conduct of the of, of the Australian uh, uh, commercial broadcasting industry thing. Doesn't negate the fact that he's a cunt, obviously. Uh, no, I'm going to read all this stuff about McSween. She really is awful. Um, but then she also, quote, attracted media attention, unquote, for comments on Nines Today Extra, which we might as well called Racism Today, uh, where she uh, described uh, our, uh, uh, Greens MP, Adam Bant in Victoria, as, quote, a little flea and, quote, a danger to the community and I suspect a danger to his wife, which... I mean, unless she's got some evidence to back that up, uh, that's actionable. And she also described Australian tennis player Nick uh, Kigios as a spoilt little Greek brat and a little creep who should have been slapped as a child. I, uh, yeah, I think who needs to be slapped as a child and maybe as an adult. See, that's hyperbole. I am not saying that Prue McSween should be bashed in the face or thrown into the ocean because that's, no, she's just a wrong'un. She's just strange. Why am I even talking about her? Speaking of hyperbole, as uh, those of you who follow me on Twitter may know, I, I talk occasionally, uh, well, I tweet Passing the Hill of Dead Pets, and people have asked me, what, what's, what's that about? Well, there's a challenge up. I reckon you can work this out. I think you can work out why I talk about the Hill of Dead Pets. Look at the blog post. There are clues. Uh, but Thursday night, um, I will be revealing it. And there's, there's no prizes, but I just think you can work that out. There's a link on the podcast website. Now, as you know, there's a federal election coming up very, very soon. At the very latest, it'll be the 21st of May. I think it will be earlier than that. Um, I'm putting my money on the 7th of May at the moment, but uh, for reasons, um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, things I wanted to say, or at least that I've noticed, uh, Scott Hound on Twitter noted uh, that no one wants to admit to being in the Liberal Party and he's uh, posted uh, pictures of uh, election material from Dave Sharma in uh, Wentworth and others that don't have the Liberal Party logo on their website. They're Liberal members but they don't want to be associated with the Liberal Party. And some of them have even, in the case of Dave Sharma and others, um, uh, used the teal colour that those uh, climate change independents are using. Yeah, we're, we're not worried about how it's going to go at all. Um, and, uh, look, I need to finish this, of course, with... Um, I talk about the odds. As you know, I have been um, quoting the odds from Sportsbet because sports betting is the ultimate source of all truth and knowledge. No, it's not. Bet like, don't even bet unless you've got money to spare. But, um, yeah, this really has settled down uh, as I record this on the afternoon uh, of the 27th of March. Uh, the odds have settled down. $1.35 for a Labor win, $3 for a Coalition win. $41 for anyone else. Ha, 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 fucking ha. So that's where it is. Uh, we saw the South Australian election um, last weekend. Well, that was only a few days ago. Uh, and, and yes, that was a huge swing to Labor. Everyone in the coalition is saying that swings in um, state elections are not about federal issues. Yeah, suck shit. Um but there we are. That's settling down. Um, we've got the uh, budget Tuesday night. The election will will be called within days after that and that we can also do our thing. But, like, that's not the only thing I talk about. I talk about other stuff and that's coming up. And, um, yeah, listen in. Listen in.
that's all the edict for now. Um, if you want to contribute to the episode with Evelyn Durek, get those details to me really soon. If you want to support the pod, the 9pmedict.com slash tip. You know how to do all this shit. Like your regulars, right? But until then, I'm still Garyan. Wash your hands. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.